Amen. Amen. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so, so very thankful that you are our big daddy, a good shepherd. You brought us here today to do us good. Thank you for everyone that is at the sound of my voice. Thank you, Father, for they will all hear you today. And we all together shall be transformed in your presence. We shall be careful to return all the praises and glory back unto you. We give you the praise, merciful Father, for the understanding mind. Thank you. Thank you, Daddy. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Our topic today is um, you are destined for a glorious life. You are destined for a glorious life. Our text is taken from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start reading from verse 31. Romans 8 from verse 31. It says, so what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. That's the greatest treasure that heaven has. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Which means anything else he has to give us, anything else we need in this life, He's not going to withhold them. If he gave us the best, nothing that you will ever need is to be compared with the very first gift that he gave you, which is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? He chose us in love. We didn't choose him. It's not based on our performance, but simply because out of love, he chose you. He chose me. God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over all of us. Not guilty. He said we are not guilty. As far as he goes, we are okay for him. 34. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen. Amen? Exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Remember the scripture, if you start from verse 1 of that chapter 8, it says, there is therefore now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No more condemnation whatsoever. So how could he possibly condemn us? No more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the, after the flesh. Those who are not f- following their fickle feelings, how they feel, what they think, that is... The mind game, but those who are following the spirit, those who are following the word, the word of God is that spirit, John 6, 63. 
They are after whatever God says about them. Whatever God, they allow the word of God to settle it for them. 35. Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely what? No one. For nothing in the universe has the power to, be, to diminish his love towards us. Nothing in the universe, nothing, absolutely nothing in the universe has any power to diminish his love towards us. Is it troubles, pressures, deprivations, persecutions? And problems, they are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death, threats? Maybe you're threatened for COVID or whatever it is. He said, no, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent, all-powerful love, the love of God for you and I. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, the Bible said what? We triumph over them all, for God has made us to be what? More than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. No matter what you face in life, remember God loves you. Remember for your sake, even if there was nobody else, but you, he died. He took your place of death so that you will not die. He took your sickness. He took your poverty. He took whatever, your failures, so that you will excel in life. 38. So now I live with the confidence. That's the cross of the matter because we have to believe these things and live with that same confidence. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, falling angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances, whatever it may be, that can weaken God's love for us. There is no power above or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. So when we sing that song, Hallelujah, I have overcome more than conquerors, know that it is for real because that is the word of God and the scripture cannot be broken. The word of God never returns to him void. The only thing is that we have to cooperate with him to make these things happen. So having this glorious life requires our premeditation and on some tough choices. We have to purpose and choose to believe what God said about us and to walk in the light of what God said about us. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, God already provided for us. 
They are all in Christ Jesus provided for us. And Christ is where? Is in me, is in you. Second Peter chapter 1, 2 to 3, 2 to 4 says, all that pertains to life and godliness, we all have them. But they are all in seed form. The incorruptible seed of the word of God. And we need to dig them out. We need to make them our own by believing them. But you have to know them and believe them for it to become yours. And thank God that God has loaded us with teachers in the church to help us with these things. You know, that's Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 15. We have people that can help and expound the scriptures. We have, the whole, we have also the Holy Spirit to help us. If you look at Psalm 31, 19, the Bible says there, Lord, how wonderful you are. You have stored up so many good things for us, like a treasure chest heaped up and spilling over with blessings, all for those who honor and worship you. Everybody knows what you can do. That's our big daddy for you. For those who turn and hide themselves in you, he has put those things in stock for them. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works, the entirety of all his creations. He is so good. He's a good daddy. He's a very good daddy. The Bible said in Romans chapter 7, 18 to 19, and then 25, it said, For I know that nothing good lies within the flesh. That is the problem, because God has his hands like this, with everything that you will ever need till you're called home. But the thing is that we have to agree, we have to cooperate with him. But the flesh gets on the way. And the only problem, the only thing we, the way we can deal with the flesh is to renew our mind, to change the way we think. So he said, for I know that nothing good lies within the flesh of, the, of my fallen humanity, the longings to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish that. It's not a matter of saying, from today onwards, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to believe the word of God. No, that is the willpower. It has to be by the power of the Spirit of God. He said, my lofty desires do what, do what is good. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed, when I do the things that I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it is not my true identity doing it. It is not the new man. It is not the real me that is doing that. But the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from, doing, from being who I really am, a child of God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who has a glorious life set before him or her. I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So if, I, if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind, you see, my renewed mind, my re-educated mind. That's why God said, come, let me change the way you think in Romans 12, verse 2. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. 
There's a way that God has laid down for us to enjoy this glorious life. So it's, that's why I say, if left, or myself means the, you know, the, those uh, things uh, that we know we used to do before, but the real us is our born again spirit. And that's why Romans 8, 8 says, there is, that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who follow whatever comes to their mind without checking out with the word of God, there's no way they can please God. Galatians 6 from verse 4 says, let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. With what? With excellence. I remember some years back when I was preaching at uh, 170, I remember that that was the time I heard this from Joyce May. He said that God told him in her in her ministry that if she will, that said, you know, she, she should do everything with excellence be a person of integrity and avoid strife in her life that he, God, is going to really, you know, radically, you know, bless her. And ever since I had that, I've been pursuing that go-to for my life, to do everything I do with excellence, be a person of integrity and avoid strife in my life. It's so healthy. And he said, in that place, he said, and their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. In other words, those things that you're doing, you're not waiting for anybody to affirm you to say, oh, how wonderful Dorothy is, or you don't seek the affirmation that comes from man. You want to be yours. You don't want to be like the Joneses. You don't want to be like A or like B. And that's why we should constantly remind ourselves, according to the scripture in Psalm 139, from verse 14, he says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You didn't make yourself. God made you the way you are, how you, your looks. It's all from your father because there's a, there's a purpose for your life in making you that way. He said, Mother. and you are skillfully made by the Father. You shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Hallelujah. Before I ever became Dorothy Emmanuel. I didn't even, you know, he, he saw. He saw it. Praise the Lord. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly, not sometimes. Constantly means even when I fall, even when I sin, even when I miss it. He said that you cherish me constantly in your every word, in your every word, every thought. Okay, the scripture is not there. In your every thought. So the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6, that God is mindful. Do you know what it means to be mindful? That means that in the mind of God, he's so full of me, Dorothy Emmanuel. What about you? He's so full of me that there's no room for anything else. 
God is so mindful of me. So think of that when people begin to say all manner of things or criticize you. Who cares? All that matters is that God approves of me, that he loves me. He loves me well enough to make me the way I am. Praise the Lord. And then verse 18, oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awoke each morning, you are still with me. The book of Hebrew 13 verse 5 said, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you nor forsake you. And he said, assuredly not. So that you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. So if God be for you, nothing, absolutely nothing can be against you. Whatever you think is against you is a mind game. The devil is, a play, is playing a mind game in you. So you have to switch to the word of God and allow God to give you the right perspective of who you are by allowing him to change you through the word. And that calls for renewing of your mind. The Bible says he adopted you into the family. So you've been accepted in the beloved. Who is the beloved? Jesus Christ. The day you said yes to Jesus, automatically the same love with which the Father loved Jesus is exactly the same love with which he loves you. Praise the Lord. So that's why he told us in that uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 4, let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. And their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and being themselves and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. Amen? Verse 5 says, having predestined, sorry, verse 5, every believer is ultimately responsible for his or her own conscience or maybe your conduct. So you're not going to say it is because of A, A made me do this, or B made me do this, because you have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 4, you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter, you know, 2, verse you know, 16, you have the mind of Christ. You have his thoughts and purposes. So you follow the guidance of the Spirit of God. Verse 7, God will never be mocked. For whatever you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Whatever you plant. It's just like a pregnant woman saying, I'm not pregnant. Finally, she's going to deliver, and then you will know what she's been carrying. So it's so very important that you know your life is always pregnant with something, but it depends on what you're planting into it. He said in verse 8, the harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. So if you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of what? Corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life that is allowing God to renew your mind through the word of God, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. So the choice is yours. Either you choose to always keep feeding your mind with the all manner of junks that are going on in this life, what they are issuing out there in television, internet, or whatever, all manner of uh, you know, videos and so on, or you choose to allow God to re-educate your mind, renew your mind through 
you know, fellowshipping with the word of God. But the harvest will always finally come, and it is what you have been planting in that you're going to harvest. And don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds. Don't allow yourself to be tired of studying the word of God, to be tired of fellowshipping, to be tired of hearing God speak to you. Don't ever say, oh, I heard that before. Oh, I already know that. No. The word of God is new. It's always a phrase. You know, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's fully loaded. Every single word of God is fully loaded. So he said, for this season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. I remember one time they told me, because I was carrying the Bible, I was fellowshipping every now and then. Sometimes I would go to live in there to fellowship. And they say that I was wasting my youth. But so many of those people that called me that, that, that said I, wasn't, I was wasting my youth, is it, now, is it when you're now married that you will enjoy your youth? They all, most of them wasted their youth. Even some of them passed in pregnancy without being married. But I, that, they said, wasted my youth. God helped me to save it. Praise the Lord. So don't ever listen to people. Listen to the word of God. Verse 10 says, take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. So it is never too late for anyone. You can begin now. You can start now. God is in the business of restoration. So it's never late for anyone who has met Jesus, the Lord, over their lives. If only you will begin today. And this calls for a lot of discipline. It takes discipline to carve out time to study the Bible, to fellowship with the Word of God, but the fruit of it will finally materialize. When, you know, you have to wake up early in the morning to study the Bible before you go to work, or maybe you carve out and people are having their lunches and you're trying to study something because you want to gain wisdom. You want to understand more and more this glorious life that God has said by giving you Jesus, and you want to really enjoy it. Others might be doing other things, but you choose to stick with the world. So the choice is really ours. I know that you know, feelings are very fickle, and feelings, they change. They can, you can feel good today, then tomorrow you won't feel good. But it's always good to, for us to allow what God said to be the primary thing that decides how we feel. That you go by the feeling, by whatever the word says. That you allow the word of God to settle it for you. I, the Bible said that, that love is our hallmark is our, the distinctive future of every believer, of every child of God. That's what the Bible said in John 13, 35, that Jesus said, it is by, the, by you know, when you demonstrate the same love that I have for you, by loving one another, that's how everybody will know that you are mine. So it's not just enough for us to answer believer by mouth, but it has to show in our character, in our conduct, the way we relate with others. And the thing is that love is the most powerful way you can change people's lives. It's the most powerful way. It could be your spouse, it could be your children, it could be your colleagues, whoever it is. 
Love is the most powerful way. But it can, sometimes it can be hard on the flesh. But you choose God's way. You choose God's way. So you must, uh, in this, your walk with the Lord, you don't allow people's responses to determine how you respond to what God said. You just simply allow what God said to decide what you do and how you relate to each situation. You don't want to be angry to say, by way of intimidating people to get them to do what you want. Because all that matters is what God wants done in any situation that you find your life. Because in any case, he is your source. He, Jesus remains your life. Amen? So we must understand that uh, everybody has a right to choose, I mean, to, to decide how they feel or what they do. So you can't change people's uh, feelings or maybe their choices. You can only focus on your own, yourself, and do what you know the Lord wants you to do. And in the course of that, you walk for excellence and not to be a stumbling block on anyone around you being all that the Father has destined for them. Nobody will ever say that because uh, of this person, that's why my life didn't turn out the way it has to be. I just trust God every day to help me to be the best to my husband, to my children, to my colleagues at work, anyone that I have to walk around with, so that I will not be a stumbling block to anyone reaching the peak that God has destined for their lives. And he told us that in Romans chapter 14, 10, and 13. He said, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt? For your brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He said, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way or maybe in your sister's way. I remember one time at work, I had forgotten what they did to me, and all of a sudden I realized that my face was like this, even though I was doing my work. And all of a sudden, what I, it's like someone spoke behind me saying, sulking, who suffers it? And the thing shook me. I said, hey, those people don't even realize what they did to me. But now I'm the one that is suffering it. And I switched to joy because it's already in me. I began to choose to be merry, to not, not to focus on that that they did to me. I know, I thank God finally everything was resolved and everybody saw that. You know, they were the ones really afflicting me. But you know, even if they didn't find out and I continued to sulk, I would have been the one suffering it. Praise the Lord. So that's why you don't allow what people are doing to affect the way you, the way you respond to what you already know God said you should do. Choose not to judge. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 15, he said, you set yourselves up to judge according to the flesh. But by what you see, you condemn by external human standards. He said, I do not set myself up to judge or condemn or sentence anyone. You see, because these are the things that bring hot things to you. When you begin to judge, mm, you shouldn't have done it begins to affect you. You're whining there, but you are the one suffering it. And you're judging based on what you're seeing. You don't have all the information. Remember what we said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, 16, that 
now that we are children of God, we allow the, 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 the love of God to compel us, and we don't judge things based on what we see. We judge through the eye of God. Because all fingers are not equal. You know, people do things differently, and people do things, you know, do whatever, you know, based on their limited information, and we do not have all the information. You don't know what is happening with that person. You don't know what is hurting the person. So you have limited information. The best you can do, you leave that person in the hands of God. You pray for the person. Okay? So you are only responsible for your own action. And the thing is that when you begin to point accusing finger to somebody, I realize that three fingers are pointing back to me, telling me that I have the greatest blame. You can try it for yourself. One finger is saying the other person might, there could be external influence, and one finger is saying that person might have one or two things to do about it, but you have the greatest blame. So why don't you, first of all, focus on yourself and keep your cool and have peace to your soul? James chapter 2 verse 13 said, and remember that judgment is what? Is merciless for the one who judges others without mercy. So by showing mercy, you take dominion over judgment. That is, by showing mercy, you are not allowing yourself to be judged because you're following the route of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And by the way, he said to us, who made you the judge? James chapter 4, 11 and 12. Say, dear friends, as part of God's family, never speak against another family member. For when you slander a brother or sister, you violate God's law of love. And your duty is not to make yourself a judge of the law of love by saying that it doesn't apply to you, but your duty is to obey it. There is only one true lawgiver and judge, the one who has the power to save and destroy. So who do you think you are to judge your neighbor? We're not qualified. Besides, we don't have all the information. But the person who has an understanding mind demonstrates patience for mercy. Demonstrates patience because mercy means holding your tongue when you are insulted. You'll be quick to forgive and forget it, for you are virtuous when you overlook an offense. That's what the Bible said in Proverbs 19.11. It takes the understanding person to show that mercy, even when you're being insulted, you choose to forgive. You don't want to give a thought to it. And in any case, he told us in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, that we should be matured in understanding. But when it comes to offenses, malice, we should be what? We should be babes. Act like a baby, you know? It's so healthy. It is so healthy. We are encouraged to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. Jesus knew those who were shouting, crucifying him. He knew they were motivated by the devil. He kept loving them. He didn't take it to heart. He, otherwise, that would have stopped him and would have all perished. But he went ahead, died for them, and died for you and I. So it's important that we don't allow people's reactions and responses to determine our joy, our happiness, because these things affect us from enjoying that glorious life that the Father has programmed for us. 
The Bible said in Proverbs 14:30, it said, A tender, tranquil heart will make you healthy. He said, but jealousy can make you sick. You don't, want to, you don't want that. You want to keep your peace, tranquil, that peace, that passeth all human understanding that Jesus died to give you. You want to keep it, and it's your choice to keep it. So when bitterness is not resolved, it, you know, it drags you down. It hinders you from enjoying this glorious life. It hinders you from getting to your destination. So you don't want to allow that. People can do whatever they want to do, but remember, you are a child of God. You are only called to look away from all that will distract unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Offenses must always come. You, you can't stop it. It can always come. It can come today. It can come tomorrow. It can skip maybe two months and come. But guard your heart. Focus on the light, which is Jesus, who told us that he is the light of the world. And anyone that follows his life will not walk in the darkness of this world. First John chapter 2, verse 9 and 11 said, Anyone... Who says, I am in the light, while holding hatred in his heart towards a fellow believer, is what? Is still in the darkness. But whoever hates a fellow believer lives in the darkness, verse 11, stumbling around. But whoever hates a fellow believer lives in the darkness. You can imagine what it means to live in the darkness. And he says, stumbling around in the dark with no clue where he is going, for he is blinded by the darkness because of the, what he's thinking about the, 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 the other person. How much can you achieve when you're walking in the dark? That's what it means when you are hating your brother or your sister. You're grip, grappling, you know, you know you're, you're stumbling in the dark. That's what the Bible said about you. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we do what? Because we love the brethren. We love our brothers and our sisters. He who does not love remains in spiritual death. You've already been delivered from the power of darkness, and you're still enjoying the things that were happening in that, in that dark area then what is happening to those who are still in that area will begin to happen to you. Yet you're a child of God that has a glorious life mapped out for you. So that's why you must not allow such things. Do you really, really want to, do you really, really love your life and you want to see good days? The Bible prescribed for us what to do. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 10 to 12, he said, for he who would love life and see good days, what is he supposed to do? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him do what? Seek peace and pursue it. Pursue means that it's like he's running away from you, but you're running after it. You want to grab it. You don't want to run off. You want to get it. You pursue peace. That's what this person is told. If you love life and you want to see good days, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous 
and his ears are open to their prayers. The righteous are those who have made Jesus their Lord. But you have, remember we said there are principles that God has laid down on how to enjoy this glorious life. The Bible said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it said, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who does what? Who infuses inner strength into me. Remember, he's already in you by the power of his spirit. He said, I am self-sufficient in whose sufficiency? In Christ's sufficiency, it is not in your strength. If he says, I can, I can forgive, I can love, and I say I can, then I, I can because I'm in agreement with him. He's the one that is doing all these things through me. Remember he said in John 15, 5, I, you can of your own self do nothing. But I am never without him. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm never without him. Remember he said, he will never, never leave me, nor forsake me. Christ is now my life. Colossians 1, you know, uh, 3 verse 4. He's my life. In him I live and move and have my, I move and have my being. So I keep living and walking. In other words, following what I hear the word said, I should follow. Do as the word said I should do. Allow the word of God to be what decides what I do. So, but if, I, if he says I can and I say, no, I cannot, this is too hard for me. If you know what this person did to me. The Bible says two cannot work together except they are in agreement, which means I disagree with him. I've made him a liar and God is not a man that he should lie. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 says, Jesus Christ is the son of God and he is the one whom Timothy, Silence, and I have preached to you, and he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding word, yes, but it remains something to make it a fool. 20, for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him, and as his yes and our amen, which means our agreement with whatever the word says, ascend to God, we bring him glory. How do you bring him glory? When you are in agreement with him and you respond according to what the word said, you will see your salvation. You will see your miracle. You will see your desired end. And the next thing you say, wow, glory to God. And others will hear it and say, glory to God. So we bring him glory. Praise the Lord. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. That is, the fact that I'm in right standing with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which is what we should all constantly remind ourselves. And peace, I am now at peace with God because Jesus Christ has made peace between me and my Father. And so I have his joy. So my joy is not based on my circumstances. It's based on the fact that I'm loved by my father. I'm in right standing with him, and he takes care of me. He is my source. And this is what delights the father. And he said in verse 18, for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. This is what gladdens the heart of the father, that you know that you are in right standing with him, that no matter what is happening around you, you have a faithful father. And you are in right stand, you are at peace with him. 
and he will take care of you. So you derive your joy from there. And he said that everyone that has received this gift of righteousness will reign in life, whoever you are. If you have met Jesus, the Lord over your life, you have received this divine exchange, the righteousness which is by a gift, you will reign in life. The scripture cannot be broken. You will reign over sickness. You will reign over poverty. You will reign over whatever people throw at you. And, you know, when you begin to ex ex experience uh, maybe depression, sickness, uh, confusion, you better check again what you've been feeding your mind with. You must, be, you must have been stocking your mind with something that is uh, wrong because Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full till it overflows. And he came to destroy the works of Satan. And he has already done that. And today he's seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. And that's why sin will no longer be a master over any of us. Sin will no longer determine the way God relates with us. Sin can only just simply open the door for the devil to come and pummel your life. But it's no longer going to stop you from getting what the Father has decided for you. The only thing is that it would dull your faith and open the door for the devil, and the devil will be the one harassing your life and doing all manner of things. So you don't want to do that. And he told us in um, Isaiah 54, verse 14, that in righteousness you shall be what? You shall be established. You shall be what? Far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. In this gift of righteousness, in your knowledge, in your revelation of the Father, God approves of you. You are in right standing with him. And you walk and you live in the consciousness of the Father that you are in right standing with your Father and that you have peace with him. You shall be established and you shall be far from oppression. So whenever you begin to experience anything other than that, you must check what you have been feeding your heart with. And that's why the Bible warned us to guard our hearts with all diligence. You know, F F Proverbs 4.23 says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. He said, pay attention. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows the wellspring of life. Yes, AMPC says, keep and guard your heart with all diligence and above all that you guard. For out of it flow the issues of the people guard every other thing, but they don't guard their heart. You know, the physical human heart, if you don't take good care of it and it gets diseased and it's not functioning properly, it can be, a, 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 no, it can determine either you're, whether you're going to die or whether you're going to live. But people don't realize that the attitude of their heart, the spiritual heart, is supposed to be guarded so that you don't, you don't stuff it with all manner of things which will really ruin your life and even hinder you from enjoying the life that Jesus died to give you. And the devil is always targeting us, the believers, and everybody for that matter. He wants to pollute your mind, you know, loading it with all manner of thoughts, negative thoughts, especially about those that are living with you or maybe those that you're working with, maybe your boss, your spouse, your children. Then you see this person hates you. You see the way the face is, is because of this. You see, they look at how he did this. 
just giving you, that, those are deceased, lies from the pit of hell. But we must not allow such mind games. When he shows up, the Bible says you should resist. He cast such thoughts away. Pull down such negative thoughts. It's not coming from the Father. He's wanting to paint a negative you know, picture and give you bad dreams that are different from what God has for you. To change your perspective about what the Father already said about you. But you know that as a man thinks in his heart, so he see. That's Proverbs 23, verse 5. So, verse 7. So, you don't want to allow him. So, we must stop him from the onset, from feeding our hearts or our minds with those negative thoughts. And the Bible said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, believers. He's talking to believers. Whatever is true, and if that thing is true, it has to be honorable and worthy of respect. If it's true and honorable and worthy of respect, it has to be right and confirmed by the word of God. Whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, we are encouraged to do what? To constantly, constantly, say continually, constantly, continually, Think on these things, center your mind on them, and implant them in your heart. These are the things we should be thinking about. Whatever fits into what the word said and is excellence, and it brings good report. That's why he told us in Colossians 3, 2, that we should set our mind and keep it set on the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. But a lot of times, most people set their minds on the things that are on the air. They want to watch all the watchables. They want to, they want to fit in to be, be, you know, to be, to be uh, current. And then those things start polluting our mind. That's why we are encouraged to renew our mind. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of you. I had something in a video, a, a short video that I did by myself. It's just to show you that, can I have that video? You know, when you begin to renew your mind with the word of God, you begin to, you know, you know allow the word of God to saturate you, you find that whenever you're squeezed, whatever are the circumstances, the word of God will keep on answering for you. The word of God will keep on responding. That's you answer based on the word of God. You will always find yourself naturally respond. It's like it is now part and parcel of you because you've been feeding on the word of God. And that's why it's so very important when you come to church, it's important that you pay attention. It's just coming on. It's important that you pay attention to what is going on. The book of Mark, you see what I'm saying? That's a, when you have a, this, as, you know, that's assuming we are like that, you know, sponge. And as you keep on, you know, pouring the word of God, pouring the word of God, anytime you're squeezed, it is the word of God that will respond for you. But it's something you have to continually do. You don't just do and stop. It's like what we are hearing today, you are being soaked by the word of God. But by the time a week is gone, you might have forgotten some of the things you had today. So that's why you have to constantly renew your mind by the word of God. And like I was saying, when you come to church, in Mark chapter 4, 24 to 25, he says, 
Then he said to them, be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. For as you do, more understanding will be given to you. And according to your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. You see, be diligent to understand. It takes paying attention. It takes shutting off distractions. You see, and according to your longing, whether you're really earnestly desiring or you're just coming so that everybody you know will know you're a member of the church, so that if anything happens to you, people will show up. It depends on your motive. Or you really want to hear your father because you love him. You want to know what God has for you today. You see? And according to your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. Verse 25. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. AMP said, and whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's why he said, oh, didn't the one say something like this? Um, I think he said, uh, they're not sure. They're not sure. Your success in life depends on your total dependence upon the infallible word of God. You prioritizing God and prioritizing his word. David said in Psalm 119 verse 99, he said, I have more understanding than all my teachers. He said, for your testimonies are my meditation. That's in the Old Testament. But we are in the new covenant and we have Christ in us. And he said that the entrance of the word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Those who said, I don't know, Lord, I want you to teach me. You may have heard this repeatedly, these things that David said, but how is it applicable to your own very life? What do you do for God? What you do for God should not, you know, take precedence over your personal relationship with God. Even for those of us who are serving in one ministry or in one capacity or the other, you must have to prioritize God above what you're doing in the family of God. Remember Mary and Martha. Jesus told Mary, told Martha, one thing is needful. You have, we have to choose to prioritize God. We have to walk our schedule around God and not walking God around our schedule. That is, if he fits into our schedule, you now put God there, no. Walk your schedule, walk whatever you're doing around God. So while you're at church, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3 and 4 says, For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. And you don't want to get there. Verse 4 says, They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. You don't want to be part of that. You want to keep listening so that you'll be able to stay strong and enjoy this glorious life that the Father has destined for you. You have a lot of, when I go through the YouTube, I see a lot of all these junks there. All these, the psychics and the people that, you know, that practice a medianistic stuff, you know, trying to show that, um, that they, they hear from the dead and they can tell you something. 
you know, and you still find some believers listening to that. I don't forget one of my colleagues at that time. She was the one that first bought me the book on, by Spigeon, and she reads it. She was reading it herself, and even a watchman did. But, you know, she would say, oh, Dorothy, you're this. Say, what's your birthday? Oh, you are this. I say, no way. That's not me. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And even some of my colleagues that are believers today, they say, oh, this is Aries. This is this one. No, there's nothing like that. The Bible even warned us against all those things in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31. It said, do not defy yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord. And chapter 30, 6 to 7 of Leviticus, it said, I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirit of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. So for those of us who are believers, he said to us, set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. We are already holy because the Holy One lives in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13. Jesus is our holiness, but we need to continue to live that consecrated uh, life. So until your desire for more of God is stronger than your desire for other things, the devil will always have a loophole in your life. Until your desire for more of God is stronger than your desire for other things, he has you where he wants you, the devil. So the devil will keep on taunting you because you're giving him the loophole in your life. To have a healthy relationship, we just have to work on it. We have to follow God's principles, God's standards. And that means we have to be familiar with the word of God. And that calls for renewing our mind, fellowshipping with the word of God. We have different fellowships here, like the family forum that will help us. We have the youth program. We have the women. We have the men. All these things are designed whereby we can all deliberate so that we can change our perspectives to fit into God's perspective perspective so that we'll be able to enjoy this glorious life that the Lord has destined for us. How many times have you responded to issues and then you left that place and you begin to feel so unhappy because you have not responded God's way? That's why we should guard our hearts. That's why we should allow ourselves to be guided by the word of God. When, you, when your heart, Proverbs 14, 29 says, when your heart overflows with understanding, especially about God's love for you, then you will be slow to get angry and you'll be able to more easily and better relate with people. The hospitals are expanding more and more today. And they are the greatest employer of labor today. Why is this so? Because we have so many angry people and so many people, even believers, who are not walking in the light of the word of God. We, the church, should be expanding more and more and not the hospitals. If anybody is looking for a job, they say, go and why don't you do nursing? Or why don't you do this nursing? I say, why don't you do this? Let us make a difference. God has given us what it takes to live this glorious life. But we have to cooperate with him to make that happen. It is so possible. This is the desire of the Father that we flourish. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Father, we are so thankful. We are grateful. We know that our lives will never be the same again. 
we are willing and obedient, and our profiting shall appear unto all men. Jesus shall be magnified, and our joy shall be full. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.